thank you for joining uh, another session of Linking the Travel Industry right here on LinkedIn, where we discuss the previous weeks and whatever may have come up since um, news items that's relevant to, to the travel industry. And we do encourage you to join us in the discussion. And if you pick up on a topic that you want to talk about, just raise your hand and we'll get you on stage. My name is Rian. I'm the CEO of Agentivity, where we help agents gain insight, control and growth by making the most out of their booking data. And um, I'm joined today, as usual, by Anne and Ash. So um, I'll give them a chance to introduce themselves and then we'll get the, the show on the road. So over to you, Anne. Hello, everybody. I'm Anne Cedar. I'm a consultant independent in uh, the travel space and working for both LeapShift and uh, Explortech. Hi, everybody. This is Ash. And I uh, just want to thank everybody for joining today's session. I am a podcast host with a podcast called What's Up in Business Travel, uh, where we tell you all about the business travel news in under 15 minutes. And I also am the vice president of sales at Traxo. Thank you very much. Just a shout out to some other familiar faces we see in the audience there. Harold, welcome again. Thank you for joining us. I see Alexandra is there. We'll probably get you on stage in a second, Alexandra, because we're going to talk about one of your stories. Stefan, Ankit, I recognize a few faces. Who do you guys recognize, Ashanan, out there? I see Mohit. Um, we connected recently. I see Ankit um, as well. Very nice. Yes, I see my former colleague, Nico. Very um, nice. There. And of course, Stefan. Also a former colleague and, and Harald is, I believe, as well. Last week was week 31 of 2022, which is hard to believe, right? It's uh, coming. I mean, some places now are playing Christmas carols in the malls, etc. So, um, no way. Yes, really yes, crazy. yes, they are. So uh, They should be ashamed of themselves for doing that. They should be. I started last week with a post about uh, UK-based Grey Doors Travel, who's uh, continuing on its expansion path, and they've acquired Ventura Travel, a very well-established agency. And, you know, that acquisition pushed their turnover to uh, well over £250 million uh, a year. So, you know, we had just had Dave Bishop share that news. Um, I'm not sure there's, you know, too much to talk about there. I don't know whether you had any thoughts on that. I mean, Anne, I suppose, I don't know if you're familiar with Grey Doors at all, but uh, they're very mm-hmm. strong in the of UK. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I mean, they've they've been on a very, very strong acquisition. But I think this is the 11th TMC acquisition they've made. So um, that's quite uh-huh. a lot of growth. Um, Suzanne there at the helm is very strong and very focused. Uh-huh. So um, I'm sure they'll make a big success out of that acquisition. Happy- it's impressive with 250 million. Oh, yes. Wow. Yes. Internet, yeah. Great Dawes actually was part of Radius Travel, right? That was the network that they were joining for global expansion. And uh, the quote that I saw from Suzanne Horner, the CEO, uh, she said that she was hoping to have Great Dawes in the U.S. by the end of the year. There is some across-the-pond acquisition that they're thinking about. And since they have already done 11 acquisitions, I would not be surprised if they pick up a couple of agencies in the U.S. then get themselves in the U.S. Uh, so that, uh, market. That would not surprise me at all. And also, given their customer base, they probably have a customer base which is interested in that service as well. So, yeah, that would not surprise me, and that would be a, a strong move for them. I was mentioning the the ongoing delays and issues in the travel industry, and one of them stood out for me last week, which was actually a different type of story. So not an airport, not an airline, and all that stuff, but it's uh, Lindsay Palmer in South Africa talking about the huge delay at the U.S. consulates um, for people to obtain visas. And I believe it's not just in South Africa. I believe it is fairly global. And it's it's very sad because, you know, now there are airlines that have started flying more directly to South Africa, so there's actually more capacity to travel there. 
And in some cases, people are waiting for up to eight months for a visa appointment, not just to get the visa, but that's just to get the appointment. So that's not helping the the tourism there at all. I see in the audience we have um, Robin. Robin, if you had a comment on that and how it's impacting uh, some of those U.S. airlines that are traveling, you know, to South Africa, please, you know, let us know if you had a comment. But that is shocking. Ash, I mean, is the U.S., you know, kind of aware of these sort of issues that people might have traveling to to the U.S.? Yes, of course, we're aware and uh, we know what's happening. You know, I I think that sometimes we are trying to understand a story from a certain angle. But how about this? Maybe it's intentional. Yeah, it could be. Right. Maybe it's a delay of the pandemic uh, thought, proud thinking. And, yeah. you know, there's also the viruses, the new one that's coming out, the monkeypox. So I think there's a little bit of intention mm. here. And it's sad that we would do those kind of things. Of yep. course, I'm not in favor of that kind of activity. But obviously, you know, one can't help but think that could that be also a reason. That's right. This would be a good point to mention to the audience that I forgot to say that you are allowed to have a very open opinion about anything on this show. So it's not politically <laughs> correct. Right, Ash? <laughs> can see that Robin has raised her hand there. Oh, she has. Come on up, Robin. Yes. Thank you very much. Um, So, um, yeah, Ashley, you might be onto something there. I don't know. And what are your thoughts? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, here in Sweden, it is, what is it now? It's over three months to wait for a new passport and to to have your passport renewed. So over three months. It's actually 13 weeks. Wow. Yeah. It's just crazy. There's just no capacity. Well, well, here in the U.S., it was it was 26 weeks and just oh uh, to put in wow. perspective. And now they've shortened the time frame down to 12 weeks. So it's within reason and range. Robin, welcome. It's been a while since we spoke. Thank you for listening in and getting on the stage. Do you want to do a quick introduction? Thank you, Rion. So, yeah, I'm Robin Christie and I'm a, a consultant here in South Africa. I am a shareholder of a small tour operating business and we're the, the sales agent for actually bringing United Airlines into into South Africa. So as you know, we're coming in, I think there's, in November, it'll be 13, time, 13 flights a week, which is quite significant and a great uh, direct route, which is which is even more exciting. So we've had a lot to do with the, the American Embassy and uh, trying to accommodate South Africans needing an, an American visa. And they've actually been uh, remarkably accommodating, not necessarily giving us appointments or, or speeding up the process, but they, they listen to us. Apparently now, if you do get in really early and you make your appointments, you you are able to get. So we do hear horrendous stories about March next year is the first time you can get an appointment. Um, if you keep pursuing and, and persisting, it's not not that bad. And also, if you have had a, a, a US visa in the last four years, you, you don't need to be uh, present yourself in person. You are able to do it all online, and it's a, a much quicker uh, story. I think we all like to take these things very personally, because but South Africans have had visa issues from the first flight we ever got onto. So we should be more uh, well-versed with the process. And and I have to say, it's not just the U.S. Uh, embassy. It is all of the embassies or all of the consulates and embassies here in South Africa. So not nothing new. And, um, well, it is new that it's taking as long as it does, but they certainly are catching up and hopefully will be out of the out of the dark by about October, which is when they're predicting we should have had the backlog caught up. But, yeah. But it is very sad because South Africans are booking tickets, paying for tickets, and then having to cancel because the, the visa hasn't come through. So, yeah. That is that is right. I mean, I, I, I follow the, the local travel group there on um, Facebook, and uh, they all have these issues where they've, they're holding tickets, and the customer is literally 11th hour 
getting the passport delivered yeah. at, the, at the at the airport and off they go. So sounds horrendous. But yeah. um, thank you for that. And did you say fourteen flights in a week? So in at the end of uh, November. So we've just announced our direct route, uh, Washington Cape Town. Wow. Um, so by the time, yeah, by the time that launches, it will be thirteen flights a week. Yeah. So we're daily into Johannesburg, out of Newark, uh, into Cape Town. So yeah, exciting times. Very nice. It's Cape Town from Newark, my my home airport. So super exciting, right. nice long fifteen hour flight. So thank you, it Robin, is. for. Yeah. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> of course, we Anytime. don't want to sit on a plane for fifteen hours. You know. Well, um, I knew you were dying to, but to get to Cape Town, you might just want to do yeah. it. Of course, you want to do it, uh, Ashavich United. That's your favorite, isn't it? Yes, of course, of <laughs> course. I love United. <laughs> I was just thinking about what Robin was saying, and it was you know really interesting that. You know, people are waiting so long. And, you know, think about the frustration that that puts into a trip, right? Just kind of mentally, your anxiety levels are up. And then, of course, you have to go through all the hassles of travel that, that are out there today. So travelers are having a tough time these days, and I feel bad for them. They are. They are indeed. Absolutely. Uh, continued uh, frustrations for travellers is the imposed cap on the daily passengers by Heathrow. That's still going on. So at some stage last week, British Airways had to actually stop the sales of certain domestic and regional tickets and um, caused a lot of frustration, obviously. So um, that saga is not sorted out. I, I saw a, a, a different post from Heathrow where they were blaming something really bizarre on uh, the delay, something about the liquids in the hand luggage or something strange. And somebody posting on there, you know, they would probably blame the humidity in the air if it suits them just to shift the blame but um, there's a lot of frustration with Heathrow and it's, it continues to go on and I see Anne the same with uh, with Amsterdam at Schiphol Airport as well. It's starting to sound like the same old thing over, over and over again and yeah. it's really boring now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely agree, but uh, yet, you know. The industry really did itself a disservice by not working with each other better and coming to uh, decisions much on a much better. I mean, we all knew that travel was going to return, right? We kept talking about it. We kept doing all these efforts to get travelers back. And, you know, now they come back. It's kind of like you invite people to a party and then the party sucks. It just feels bad. So... <laughs> <laughs> like, like you could have done a little bit more effort to make the party more interesting, but you didn't, and you just winged it, and then you hope for the best, and then nobody's happy when they're there, and everybody wants to go home. You know, it's just a bad party. That's what this is. This is a bad party. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I just love your comparison, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> The next one is about HRS, uh, with, with Kurt talking about HRS um, buying uh, PaySense and um, then promising you know great things. I'm not too familiar in this space. I don't know whether you've got more insight into that story, Ash, than I might have. It's PayPens, by the way, not PaySense. Ah, okay. Sorry about that. HRS, I think, is also on the acquiring spree. I think they've done a lot of acquisitions over the last two years. Uh, and I think they keep getting stronger and stronger. This one is all about uh, a company that's able to integrate the, uh, the payment process, right? And, and it's focused on digital payments. So uh, that this is right up um, HRS's alley. And, you know, they've taken all the employees and moved them into HRS Pay, uh, which is one of their entities. <laughs> And then we move on to the fact that, and I, I'm sure Lufthansa is doing this as well, but uh, Swiss and Lufthansa are now introducing fares 
which include the carbon offsetting. And I, I think there's a few follow-ups to this as well, um, and which you wanted to mention as well. But uh, from my side, and this is what I said in my post about this, I do wonder if it's going to make it a bit more complicated now for corporates who have sort of figured out a way to to calculate the emissions of their trips and work with the provider to offset them, which, you know, a lot of them are doing, whether they now have to go back and recode that process because now certain fares will by default include the offsetting or whether maybe they don't mind, maybe they'll do a double. I'm not criticizing it. I think it's a great initiative, but I just wondered if they if they did consult with some of those uh, corporate buyers. What are your thoughts, uh, Anne, on that one? It's a very valid point, but I wonder if it makes the process uh, more complex. I also wonder about this that's been talked about a lot, that it offers 20% more mileage uh, to the frequent flyers. To me, it's kind of really weird because all of a sudden you're sort of encouraging um, people then to fly even more. That is a, a very interesting angle. And personally, I, I really like it when, when sort of, I, I think the airline should really take care of these initiatives. I don't necessarily like it as part of, of the fare. And then, of course, I can't help but wondering about the the fare itself being just really the difference between a flex and night. Ash, what are your takings on this with the, the fares, some of them including the offsetting? I love it. Actually, um, I'm going to take a different uh, stance than Anne on this one, but I think this is just amazing. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, you know, the airlines uh, are going to have to make decisions on so many things between now and whether it's 2030, 2040, 2050. Everybody's got their deadlines on that stuff, right? So this is this is a, a step in that direction. I don't think any other airline has done this. Um, I think Swiss might be the first uh, to actually um, have a CO2 offsetting fare type. You know, the part I like is the fact that as a traveler, um, I'm contributing, but I'm also getting bonus miles and all that good stuff. So 20% more miles. I love that idea too. So I'm definitely incentivized uh, from a traveler perspective to choose this green fare, which is, you know, between the classic and the flex um, in, in this case, in this airline. And the fare difference is only like 25, 35 USD. So it's also not too expensive. And if all of this ends up um, helping with SAF purchases, if it helps with offsetting um, the uh, the CO2 output, then I feel good as well as a traveler if I'm environmentally uh, you know friendly and I think about those things on a regular basis. Which we know that you know the younger folks and the folks that are focused in on this area for climate change are really dialed into this topic. So I think it's a it's a total win win across the board. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if other people do more of this. And I think this is actually a really good step in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, you, you, what do you what do you make of the statement that you're actually getting more miles? You might actually travel more. Is that a bit of a contradiction? Don't you think? Shouldn't they've just given you more, well, maybe think, maybe free drinks on the yeah, flight? I mean, well, I think people are. I mean, I mean, if you give me free drinks, I'm also incentivized. <laughs> exactly. To travel because I get free drinks. So you know, I think um, yeah. I mean, there's a good point there, and it makes a good point with people wanting to travel more and all that. Traveling a lot is not a bad thing as long as you're doing it in the right way. Right? Sure. And I think this is the right one. Actually, I love it. I think this is so great. Uh, economy Green, Economy Green Plus, Economy Green Classic, everything should be green. Alexandra, Stefan, thank you for joining us. Um, I'll go ladies first with Alexandra. You uh, you commented on that post as well, right? You you, you pointed us to the uh, Lufthansa story. Do you want to do a quick introduction and give us your comment? Yeah, my name is Alex. Uh, I'm leading new partnerships at uh, Travel Audience uh, slash Amadeus Berlin. 
regarding the story, uh, I agree with you, Ash. It's it's a great uh, idea, and I feel more airlines should be doing this. However, I am also very confused with the pricing for these fares. I was just looking at Lufthansa website this morning, and what is really confusing is that Economy Green is exactly the same fare as Economy Flex in terms of the money that you pay. However, as a passenger here, you have to really make your choice. Uh, either you go for, um, you know, offsetting your flight and additional miles, or you go for other benefits like priority boarding or priority security line, or it is refundable. This ticket, Economy Flex, is refundable, but Economy Green is not, but you are offsetting your flight. Um, so here as a passenger, I'm having really hard times to pick Economy Green, where clearly I would benefit more from Economy Flex. Another thing that is happening very often with Lufthansa specifically is that Economy Flex is usually just slightly uh, cheaper than Business Saver and then you get even more benefits. So I'm just confused with pricing and I hope they will improve it because with the current uh, pricing, as a passenger, I wouldn't go for any green. Yeah, forget economy green. I'm looking at the mm-hmm. fare. You're absolutely right. I, I take the security lane. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, me too. <laughs> the heck with the bonus miles. The heck with CO2. Forget about everything. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> but, but We're that going was... security lane. That was exactly, Alex, what I was also saying. I'm, I'm also very confused about the pricing. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's very confusing. And it doesn't, you know, ring to me as ma- in making sense. It, it sounds, again, like an airline might have over-engineered a user interface. And does it sound familiar? Thanks, Alex. And uh, Stefan, welcome. Well, I used to work for Lufthansa. I don't have to hide that fact because uh, you can see that in my LinkedIn profile. I now work for uh, a data analytics company and data is at my heart. So uh, transparency, data-driven decisions. And I had to look at the details of this offer. So uh, it's, a, it's a pilot uh, from Scandinavia. So uh, I looked at some routings and uh, what I discovered was, and we had a side discussion, uh, Anne and Alex already. Um, it is surprising to see that uh, because it's part of the fare uh, structure and it's always at the same price as the flex uh, fare, um, you know that uh, local traffic is usually higher priced than uh, transfer connections because uh, of the competitive situation. So. For a transfer via Frankfurt or Munich or Zurich or Vienna for whatever uh, 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 you decide, you should actually pay more in uh, CO2 compensation because it's a longer flight. It's at least two flights each way and another takeoff, another landing, so uh, higher CO2 emissions. But at the same time, the fare structure is more beneficial for consumers. So in the end, someone traveling locally emitting less CO2 emissions overcompensates, so pays more. So you see, I'm completely missing the transparency here, and that leaves room for interpretation. If someone is going from Oslo to Frankfurt and actually overcompensates uh, their CO2 emissions, is Lufthansa actually forwarding all the proceeds to uh, sustainability initiatives? You know, I don't want to suggest anything, but there is a lot of question marks here. So uh, transparency is is really key when mm. you want to drive adoption and when you want 
consumers to really go for, for these offers and uh, accept it. And I, I couldn't agree with you more, um, Stefan. I also, I, I also struggle with the transparency. And I also, uh, you know, that, that, that is always uh, something that comes up with sustainability, right? I mean, for instance, I have friends who work in cargo. It's, it's cheaper with cargo, let's say, from out of Munich than it is from Frankfurt. So what happens is that you drive the trucks to Munich, which is actually longer, right, from certain areas, right? It's the sort of same discussion as we have here about the transfers, and uh, I, I struggle too with the transparency. Sunday was the day uh, that a new airline uh, in India was born. Uh, the name is Akasa Air, uh, and they actually are a new airline that is founded on the backs of uh, a billionaire, in India, also known as India's Warren Buffett, if you've never known this name, Rakesh Junjunwala is the name. So he is the uh, backer of this new airline. He's also supported by ex-Jet Airways CEO Vinay Dubey and former Indigo head Aditya Ghosh. So all three of these guys have gotten together and they've launched this new airline called Akasa Air. I actually think that this one is going to do well. I see money. I see uh, experience all coming together. Uh, and uh, they had their maiden flight on Sunday from Mumbai to Ahmedabad, which is um, a really, uh, it's a short route, but nonetheless, it's an important uh, step in the direction of Indian and maybe global aviation. Oh, I'm also very excited about Akasa. I think they're, you know, really good team, um, some forward thinking people. So, yeah, kudos to them. Fantastic. Anything else in your newsfeed that came up over the weekend and for you? Well, a couple of things. One, I haven't really been. Um, able to look into in more detail and that is that I, I I saw that Snowfall maybe Ash knows a bit more about this uh, Snowfall uh, have uh, have agreed to buy Passenger One online booking tech. I, I found this pretty interesting because there hasn't been that much about Snowfall lately. I haven't seen much in the press at all. Yeah, Passenger One actually uh, made a big splash um, last year mm-hmm. uh, you know they, they had a lot of money that they got and so a GBTA uh, as an example only uh, they had huge billboards every I mean they had signs everywhere and their corporate booking tool right that comes mm-hmm. into the marketplace and wants to solve uh, the age-old problem of uh, of traveler experience so we all know how that's gonna go because not you know who the heck wants to use a corporate booking tool? No, no offense to anybody who has one, by the way. So, but you know, I think that it's it's a little bit uh, you know two thousand and late. So they came out and you know they spent their money and you know they had nice money backing them and all that good stuff. And then finally the money ran out. Ash, what was that phrase you just coined? Two thousand and late, was it? <laughs> yeah, 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 that's another one. I love yeah. two thousand and late. <laughs> excellent, excellent. No, it, it, it's not my phrase. It was in a song by Black Eyed Peas called "Boom Boom Pow." There we so go. Oh, okay. Two thousand and late. did see, I think it was Suzanne Luscott or somebody that posted about um, cancellation numbers. And it turns out that Jet 2, you know, also a fairly low cost or, you know, package type airline, mm. was the only one who had did not cancel flights uh, in, I think it was July. Like no cancellations at all compared to all the other airlines who had thousands of cancellations. So very interesting. I think Wizz Air, Wizz Air did stuff like that too. They ah, had no cancellations yes. as well. So yeah. they, yeah. they, they yeah. made a big deal about that too. Scored They've also well. had a, a press release and I was, I was uh, well, I mean, they're not doing as financially well as Ryanair are doing, but 
I was really impressed because I've, I've been using them as an example for my, my course on retail with Aeroclass. And now they, they just uh, stated that 56% of the total revenue now comes from ancillary sales. Wow. Insane. Yeah. But um, I know we, we're going on about this a little bit now further down the rabbit hole here, but were they also the ones who were recently denied flying to the States? They they tried to, to get permission that's, to fly. Yeah. That's correct, yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah. That's a shame, isn't it? Because, those Americans, those Americans. Yes. Don't want the Wizz Air. <laughs> what kind of a name is that, right? Wizz Air, yeah. <laughs> okay. I just want to thank those who listened in. And from my side, um, thank you very much to, to Anne and Ash. And um, I'll see you guys next week. Thank you. See you next week. And thank you all for joining today's session. Uh, we host this LinkedIn call every Monday, and it's all about linking the industry. Please share this with everybody that you know so we can grow this weekly session. For those who cannot make it because of time zone or availability, we offer this session on a podcast on Business Travel 360. So you can definitely check that out there as well. Thank you all for joining.